We're going to go ahead and get started. 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Not Job. We are not in Job. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Familiar spot. But uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14 is where we'll pick it up. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Uh, and so here we are in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're in the spot where uh, the Lord makes it very plain that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. and uh, We understand that the Scriptures are inspired, um, and if you have a question about that, I can, I, I'm going to mention a few things here in Sunday School about it, but uh, not the main point of the, of the Sunday School lesson. Uh, what you get into with a lot of things, and I've been dealing with a couple of people and kind of talking to them about it and explaining it, and part of that is uh, that it has never, we don't, we don't hammer on a King James Bible here very much because we all believe it and we've all been taught it and it's all just normal to us. And so then you hear uh, some other things, and so I'm going to mention some of this in my introduction, uh, and then I'm going to just cover some things very quickly on, on the importance of the Bible and the importance of the King James Bible in particular, uh, but you do realize his statement here in verse number 16 is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, if you have the scriptures, you have it by inspiration of God. Now, this is where you start ending up getting into some weird things. Uh, now, inspiration means that, uh, you know, people like to go, well, it means that God breathes. Ultimately, it's that God is giving it life. He's the one who is giving it life. Uh, it makes it alive. Scripture, the scriptures are alive, which makes it profitable for all those things that he listed. Uh, when you get an inspiration, the question that people have is, well, uh, you know, double inspiration, if you've heard of that, triple inspiration, uh, all sorts of things. And the question is, uh, is not tied to the idea of inspiration. Uh, he says this, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. If it's scripture, then it must be inspired. And if it's not inspired, it is not scripture. So, this is where you get into it. Uh, when you hear somebody, the reason I don't reference Greek and Hebrew very often, I, sometimes I will, I'll, I'll make a mention to something, and uh, why we have that word, or a, or a root cause for a word, or uh, you know etymologies of words, we do that. Uh, but you know why we don't go back to the Greek? Because I don't have to go back to the Greek. I have an inspired scriptures, the King James Bible. Now, why does everybody go back to the Greek? All these guys that go back to those things, and why do they do all those things? Because they believe that the Greek in original, they'll say the originals, were inspired. And what you have is a translation of that. But they will not say yours is inspired. Now, the problem with that is, very great is what the problem is, right? Psalm chapter 12, we understand, right? Psalm chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, two of the key verses. Uh, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Uh, either it is scripture and the word of God, or it isn't. 
And if it isn't, you and I don't have it. Inspiration is a direct tie to preservation. Either God preserved it, and if he did, then you have it inspired. If he didn't preserve it, you don't have it, and there's nothing to worry about. (laughs) But if he did, then you have everything to worry about. And you can go back to the Greek, and you can go back to... Now, this is interesting, and I'm going to give you this, and I may do a Sunday school fully on this later. Um, Grab a couple of places. I've done this for a couple of people. This is my favorite one to use, so I'm just going to use one. Isaiah chapter 61 and Luke chapter 4. Grab those two places. And this is not the only time this type of a thing happens, but I like it because it's, it's very easy. All right? Old Testament, for the most part, was written in Hebrew when it was originally written. There's some Syriac and we, whatever. All right? I'm not doing all that today. Uh, but Isaiah was written in Hebrew. Okay? So Isaiah 61 is Hebrew. All right? Isaiah 61, you know the spot, verse number 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison, to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Uh, now, we know where that place is going to hold your place right there. The Lord's going to read that spot in Luke chapter 4. Go ahead and look at Luke chapter 4, verse number 16. Uh, hold your place, though, because we're going to look back and forth, all right? Uh, he says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, that'd be Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah be Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all of them were in, that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he said unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, a few interesting things. Of course, he stops halfway through a verse. All right, so he throws a period there, and he tells them that that part is fulfilled today. (laughs) Why? Because the second half isn't coming until a second advent. So he makes a divide right there to show you that there's divisions in the Scriptures. But anyways, I'm not getting into that right now either. Notice, he doesn't say the same thing that you you and I just read in Isaiah 61. What do you mean? Look at the two. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Those don't say exactly the same thing. So which one's right? By the way, uh, in Isaiah 61, it's written in Hebrew. When Jesus stands up in Luke chapter 4 in the synagogue, he reads it in Hebrew. Luke goes ahead and writes it down in Greek. And you're looking at it in English. Just real quick, which one of those is inspired? Was it inspired in Isaiah 61? 
or was it inspired when the God of the universe read it the way he wanted to read it? Or was it the way that Luke wrote it down in Greek? Or is it what it is when you have it in your lap in English? Yes, the answer is all four. You say, who doesn't believe that? A Bible corrector. Someone who doesn't believe your King James Bible is perfect. See, it was inspired when Isaiah wrote it because it's scripture. It was, it was when Jesus read it, it was inspired. When Luke wrote it, it was inspired. And when an English translator put it into English for you, he inspired it again because it's scripture. That's quadruple inspiration if you want to get real technical. He inspired it four times, same passage. That's not the only time that happens. Old Testament, the just shall live by his faith. Paul goes to write it down twice. You know what he says? The just shall live by faith. He leaves a word out. By the way, that's the big difference between Old Testament salvation and New Testament salvation. But you only get that if you understand that God inspired it. You say, well, why do they do that? Because they want to look really smart. And if we go back to the Greek, we can tell you things that you don't see by twisting what it says to make it say what we want it to say. So, I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of bring around my conclusion for this idea here, but uh, the truth is that the reason your Bible is the Scriptures is because that it's pure and perfect and He inspired it. It is kept that way. In the Old Testament, originally written in Hebrew for the most part, uh, that was for Israel. As a nation, the oracles of God were given to Israel. Uh, the entire of the Old Testament, if you wanted to get God, get to Him and understand Him, your job was to go to Jerusalem and worship Him there. The missions program of the Old Testament, pastor has a message on missions uh, that includes that, uh, was that if you were a Gentile, if you were an outsider, you were a stranger, your job was to go to Israel and find God. <laughs> that, was, that was it right there. They held the oracles. You needed to learn Hebrew, and you needed to join up with them and become part of them. When you get to the New Testament, it's written in Greek, and it was made for the world. God's putting the gospel out to the world. When he's writing it, it's after... It is after the crucifixion, and the Lord is having these guys start writing, and it's because the gospel is now going to the world. It's salvation brought to an entire world, so he puts it in basically the world's language. Rome was the ruler, uh, Greek was the, the common language, and it goes out in the common language for everybody to get because it's salvation to a world. Now today, you realize that uh, as things have gone, they've translated the Bible repeatedly and into other languages. And so, of course, Jerome goes ahead and tries to make it available to the common people in the Latin language at the time. And he goes ahead and he translates it to Latin. Wycliffe is the first to start translating the Bible into English. He becomes a heretic because uh, of his work. And they even take it so far as to dig up his bones and burn them. That's how much they didn't like him for trying to put a Bible in the English language. Uh, if you don't know who did that, you can go ahead and check out Catholic history. Uh, he says the men, uh, of course, the men who follow this uh, Wycliffe and so on would be willing to give their lives to make sure that you had a Bible in the English language. Amazingly enough, uh, of course, ultimately, 1611, King James would finalize uh, the production of the perfect King James Bible. Uh, and he goes ahead and puts it in English. Uh, English becomes, by the way, the language, no matter what 
Uh, the world tries to go, well, you've got to learn Spanish, and we've got to go ahead and do this, and you've got to have everything in 18 languages to make sure everybody gets it. Uh, the world wants English. Every, every set of business, you know what they have? English. <laughs> I don't care what country you're in. If they're a businessman, they speak English. That's, that is universal. Why? Because the Lord set it up that way. English becomes the prominent language on the planet, regardless of what anybody wants you to try to believe. Uh, guaranteed, I, won't, I, I use this illustration often uh, when I'm talking about this. We went to India, over in India, anybody under the age of 30 in India right now, virtually any of them will speak English in India. Now, over that, you start having problems, but in the last 30 years... They wanted all their kids to learn English. Why? Because they want, they want to be able to, to be in the world and be, uh, and be thought of as great. You don't get that without English. The world runs on it. Uh, if you feel that the King James Bible is not it, you can feel free to talk to me. Uh, but Acts chapter 8 is the, is the place to go. Go ahead and turn there, Acts chapter 8. This is a really long introduction to my Sunday school, just so you know. Acts chapter 8, uh, I use this passage as well. This is my go-to passage for this. Uh, you want to go ahead and just compare Bibles, Acts chapter 8 is pretty much the place to go. Uh, you get to Acts chapter 8, right? You have Philip and the eunuch. By the way, he also reads out of the book of Isaiah, and it does not match. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, exactly. Uh, and so go ahead and... You can mess with that, too, if you'd like. But anyways, uh, you get down to uh, the eunuch, right? And the eunuch is there. He's reading, and Philip joins himself to the chariot. Understandest thou what thou readest? He reads out of Isaiah 53. He explains to him Jesus. And you get down to verse number uh, 36. And as they went their way, they came onto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized, and he baptized him. Uh, new versions, verse number 37, does not exist or gets bracketed and said that it's not in there and that it shouldn't be there and all the other. Verse 37. Say, what is that? What doth hinder me to be baptized? You leave that verse out, nothing hinders you from being baptized. And now you have baptismal regeneration and salvation through baptism, and that's nowhere in the scriptures. You don't get saved by baptism. All the new versions remove that. They don't like that spot. You say, why don't they like that spot? Because one of the greatest declarations of Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. That's who He is. Why do you think they mess with 1 John chapter 5? Why do you think they mess with it's over and over and over again? Uh, you say, well, uh, what does that prove? That proves that you have the right one. <laughs> you leave that out, you're de that's just deceptive. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Well, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, 
and what he has done for you. Well, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, we can do this. That's, that's all there is. Uh, you can go ahead. Uh, English as the universal language goes through. It's in the world. It is there. And the question comes, well, why is it so important that everybody has a Bible? That's the purpose. Now, I could sit here and we could try and figure out what the best one is uh, in other languages. I'll tell you this, uh, I like it, our missionaries especially, you know what they do? They compare theirs to a King James Bible. I can't tell you what's right in another language. I'm not even going to try. I don't know them. Uh, I, I barely know English. I'm not going to try and figure out and tell you which one the best one is in Spanish and in French. And in, I know this, Brother LaPierre in, in Haiti looked at the French uh, Bible that they had and went, this is awful, and he started writing one. He started translating a King James Bible. Uh, the RV, RVG in uh, Spanish is still not the equivalent of a King James Bible, but it's close now. That's the, that, that replaced the, uh, all, the other, all the other ones. Uh, the statement about it is, it's as close as we've gotten, and we're still trying. Say, so how do you know that? Because I've got some friends that, that, that were influenced on that and trying to get it. Um, there's different Bibles that, uh, that, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get it as close. You know why it's not as good as an English Bible? Because they don't have the vocabulary of an English Bible. Uh, the English is very exacting in its words and its meanings. It's done on purpose. That's why your cross-references are better. The cross-reference for you is unparalleled in a King James Bible. The words are particular. That's why it's the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Uh, everybody should be able to pick it up and read it. That's what the Lord wants. Uh, God is the, revel he is the revealer of secrets. That's what Daniel calls him. The revealer of secrets. Uh, you have uh, a book in the Old Testament and a book in the New Testament that are books of great revelation. Of course, we have in the New Testament the book of the Revelation by John. In the Old Testament, you have a book called Isaiah that we call the mini Bible. Uh, that has things in it that you and I uh, would have never known had Isaiah not written them down. Uh, it has, it has uh, before, we, we look at some of the passages on Isaiah and we think of Revelation. When Revelation was literally <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years later. <laughs> and you're looking at, and we're recognizing it as Revelation Isaiah's getting it for the very first time. And he's getting all those things piled up to him. And you say, what was God doing? He was revealing himself. I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. That's where Isaiah sees him. And he gets a glimpse into heaven that nobody else before him had gotten. Job gets glimpses of him, and you know what he says about it? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job esteems it that way. The psalmist is the one who says that thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. The Lord makes the declaration that he magnifies his word above all his name. And so this morning, Sunday school, I'm just going to talk about the importance of the Bible. I've talked a little bit about this before. I've done uh, something very similar to this before, but I, I, I want to stress, we're getting into... Um, we're getting into a day where uh, the Bible has always been under attack. I don't think the Bible is ever not going to be under attack till the trumpet sounds and the Lord settles it all uh, on, on this side of glory. Uh, but his word is settled in heaven. 
it's already taken care of. Uh, he's got it pure and perfect, and he's keeping it, and there's no question about it. It's the fact that God wanted you to have it. And it is so important that you have it, and that you read it, and that you learn it, and that you try to have it always with you, uh, whether in your heart, thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee, or that you have it literally with you, and you can go to it whenever you need it. Uh, it is it is the it is the paramount thing that God has handed you physically in this life. He gave you salvation, but you wouldn't know that without a Bible. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, let's face it: the one thing that you and I have that we get to depend upon constantly is our Bible. I will fail you. Pastor will fail you. The Lord never fails you, but he gave you a book that's infallible. It has never failed. And its contenders still can't figure out how they can get it to fall. And they never will. Uh, You can go ahead and try to look into the infallibility of the scriptures. Uh, It has never failed and it never will. A King James Bible is so pure and so perfect, there is no chance, no chance that you'll find an error. There isn't any. You see, they've tried repeatedly. And they try so hard that they don't even read to figure out whether they were right or not. I mean, you have everything from foolish things and genealogies talking about, well, which one was the father of so-and-so and one of them was a woman. Well, I would guess she's not his father. Say, is that real? Yeah, that's real. Those are the things they have to try and pull out. Because they didn't look to find out if they were right or not. They just want to go ahead and blast away and act as if they know what they're talking about. And then people go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I heard one time? I heard there's errors in there. Okay, well, show me one. They can't even find the obvious ones that you and I would go, boy, I don't know about that. And then the Lord gives you an answer later. I mean, they can't even find out things so simple as uh, back-to-back verses where the Lord says, answer a fool according to his folly and answer not a fool according to his folly. Well, isn't that a contradiction? They don't even bring that one up because they know that's just stupid Uh, because it's situational. You answer a fool lest he be wise in his own conceit, then you answer not a fool because you'll be like to him. (laughs) They understand that's not a contradiction, so they don't even bring it up. Then they go fishing and try to find something just... And they never get it. They never get it. Uh, And so this morning, I just want to talk about why the scriptures are so important to you and I. Why why do I read them? Why do we have them? Why do we preach from them? Why do we believe them? Why? Why is it here? Why did God give it to me? Uh, And now I'm going to say one more thing before I get into the actual lesson. Uh, I'm doing doing this as uh, just this one lesson this morning. Uh, next week, Brother Larry's going to be teaching uh, for a week. Uh, I want to get some of these guys just a little bit of experience in teaching uh, and help them out. I am bridging my way to September, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Brother Brother Viscom, I believe, is the week after that. Brother Don's going to be the week after that. Brother Mike Lang is going to be the last, the last of them. So those four guys are going to go ahead and do some Sunday school lessons. So come out, encourage them, help them out, and uh, see what the Lord's given them. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a blessing. I'm going to ask Brother Viscom about 40 questions um, just to pay him back for all of Job. And so he's not actually going to teach anything. I'm just going to start just. 
and uh, we're going to do it that way. Uh, and then the week before, I'm going to I'm going to do a little introduction. Uh, the last week of August, I'm going to do a little introduction, a little bit more into uh, what's going on. Uh, all of our Sunday school teachers know as of April, mid-April, uh, they all got some new material. Um, our nursery uh, classes, uh, Don and uh, Roxanne, they're they're continuing exactly what they've been doing. It's great for the kids. Uh, Joyful Life, we're changing over from Joyful Life to a uh, to a program called uh, Highlights Sunday School. It is out of Hope Baptist Church in Toledo, Ohio. Very good friend of ours, very good church. Uh, pastor and I go there for pastor school. Pastor Rick Sowell was there for years. He was the founder of the church. Uh, he has since handed it over to John Marshall. Uh, Matt Bernsdorf was out of that church. He's back there as one of the assistants. Uh, and all of those guys have worked on this Sunday school curriculum. And it's fantastic, okay? It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so the classes have changed a little bit. We're going to get it started up in September. We're starting September. First week of September is when we're starting it. And here's the greatness. When we start here, you all get the same curriculum that they get. All right? Now, I'm only doing this once, right? Uh, but I want, uh, we're going to have unity across the entirety of Sunday school from Brother James and Tanya's class, four, five, and six-year-olds, uh, Morgan and Hannah's class, uh, Stephen and Ivy's class, and then Kevin Thomas II and Mary are going to be taken in with the teens and uh, switching over there. And then me in here, uh, we're all going to be on the same topic. All right, different levels of the same topic, but the same topic. And uh, it's going to bring some unity to the Sunday school. I also want you to be able to understand what your kids are getting over there. So many times people go, well, I don't know what my kids are getting over there. All right? Now, we won't be teaching it exactly the same. Don't worry. I'm going to raise our level up. Okay? I promise. Okay? Uh, you're not going to get what James and Tony are giving the four, five, and six-year-olds. I promise. Uh, but we're, we're going to raise it up in here. Uh, but you're going to get the same topics, the same things. We're also doing some family devotions that go home with you. And it's for the next week's lesson, all right? So it's the memory verse. You'll get it ahead of time. Uh, it's some questions and things that you guys can talk about, help you discuss, help you do some family devotions, okay? We're trying to encourage some of that, and it kind of preps you for the next Sunday. And so, uh, once again, we're trying it. We're, we're, uh, I, I'm not trying the curriculum. I'm trying the devotions for all of you, okay? I hope you enjoy it. It's something that uh, Hope Baptist has been implementing and adding those devotions to, and they're seeing some good things with it. So uh, we're, we're adding that aspect as well. So I hope it is a blessing. I know the Sunday school lessons will be. I mean, I was blown away the first set of Sunday school lessons I looked at. And I went, this is awesome. I want to do this. And the teachers are excited. I'm excited. So that's why we're going to have a little stall time here. We're going to do some cool little things. I'm going to have some of the guys get some work in. And then, uh, and then we're going to go right into it. First week of September, we're going to start up, and everybody's running the same uh, lesson plan, ultimately. Uh, and so I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. Uh, I did a uh, – I've already stolen some stuff out of their notes and made it into sermons. I have. I'm like, man, that's so good. That little section right there, I mean, just a little blurb. I was like, I'm taking that, and I made entire messages out of them. Uh, Say, why? Because it's that good. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Okay, I promise. Uh, I hope you trust me and Pastor. And we, we did our research. And so Brother Bacon's looked it over. Our teachers are, are still looking it over, I'm sure. They're, they're prepping for the first year. Uh, it's three-year cycle, all right? So it's three-year cycle. 
So they'll get it from 4, 5, and 6, then they'll get it again 7, 8, 9, and so on. It'll rotate. Uh, the teams are a little bit different. They're going to get it in a five-year cycle. They're going to do the first three even up with everybody else, and then they're going to kind of be a little bit off. We're going to add two years of our own curriculum in, but uh, and either way, they'll, they'll get it all that next time again coming through. So I'm excited about what the Lord's doing there. So uh, if you have questions about it, please, uh, unless they're very simple questions, please wait uh, until, until we get a little closer. Um, and so, uh, but tr- we got, we got, I'm going to explain a lot more the week before on the 28th. I'm kind of holding that August 28th. Uh, for that day and let you know a little bit more about it and a little bit more how it works. Uh, but it's going uh, to be fantastic. I think the Lord's going to bless it immensely. Uh, so let's have a word of prayer, and we will, uh, we'll get into our own lesson for the morning. Father, I do thank you for the day, and I thank you once again for your goodness, for your mercy, for your care. Father, for the scriptures given to us, the perfect words of God given to us in English. Uh, Lord, we love you. We pray you would get all the praise, the honor, and the glory that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. Father, if someone is lost that comes in today, I pray they wouldn't stay that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ alone to save them. Lord, once again, Father, we pray you'd come back soon. Take us home, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, turn over to uh, oh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to run through as, many of this, uh, as much of this as I can, um, of course, uh, I've got a lot more notes than I could probably fit in in the next 15 minutes since uh, that's all I got left, or how that happened. Uh, but First uh, Peter chapter 1, and so the importance of the Scriptures. Why is it important to have a Bible? Why is it important uh, for us to have it and to know it and to read it and all those things? Uh, well, First Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 23, he says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass and the glory and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass uh, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the lord endureth forever and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you uh, first thing about the scriptures is uh, they were given uh, so that you could have salvation uh, we got salvation because of the scriptures without it uh, right, he said back there in Timothy when we read, he said that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Uh, we don't have salvation without the scriptures. How do you have certainty of salvation if you don't have a Bible? Uh, well, you know, so-and-so told me about it. Yeah, but if you don't have it in the scriptures, what do you have? You have no certainty of what you believe in. We had a young man here, uh, I was on this side of the room over here, uh, Somewhere near the Getmans, they, they were sitting there on a Wednesday night uh, over there on the far end, and uh, they were here, and they got asking questions and, and witnessed to, and someone was talking to them, and I stuck around, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I thought they were getting saved, and I got called over, and I thought, oh, they must have prayed and got saved. I mean, it's been an hour and a half after a Wednesday night service. We're closing in on 10 o'clock here. Uh, obviously, we've, we've got this sealed up. I walked over. I find out, no, that's not the case. Uh, he's got a question for you. I said, okay. And he says, uh, he says, why did you get saved? And I said, uh, you don't care why I got saved. I got saved at seven. You're in your 20s. You don't care why a seven-year-old got saved. I said, you care why I'm still here. 
you care why it still matters. And I said, it's because that book matters. And the kid's kicking tires. A 20-year-old, he's kicking tires. He doesn't know what to believe. He doesn't know what to do. So then I just started doing prophecies in the Bible and proving the Bible is true. I said, if the Bible's true, you're in trouble. And if it's not true, you can walk out the doors. It makes no difference. And a few minutes later, he's still kind of hemming and hawing. And I said, okay. I said, it's 1030. I said, these, these guys got to go to work. I need to go home. Uh, so either you're going to do this or you're not going to do this. Either way, I'm leaving. That's very insensitive. Uh, at, right up until he prayed and asked the Lord to save him. I said, what's he doing? He's just trying to figure out if he wants to trust the Bible or not. If the Bible's not trustworthy, you and I don't have salvation. That's the truth. The truth is, either you have it or you don't have it. And the only means that you do have the certainty of salvation, that you know that you have eternal life, is based solely in the Bible. Uh, look over at Hebrews chapter 11. You're right there. Secondly, I'm going to rip through a few of these. I don't know how many I'll get, but I'm going to rip through a few. Right, we know in Romans chapter 10, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, faith is found in the scriptures. That's where you get your faith from. Where you, not just your faith in what you do believe, but it increases our faith in why we believe it. Uh, notice in verse number 1 here of Hebrews chapter 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand creation because we understand the Bible is true. We believe God created those things, and we believe in a creator because the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork, and Genesis chapter 1 told us how he did it. We go, hey, there's a creator. You can look around and tell there's a creator. Okay, well, how did he do it? By the spoken word of God. How do you know that, Genesis chapter 1? That's how I know it. Well, how can you trust that God's right? How can you not? It's faith. But the Bible is also the basis of all of our faith. It is the evidence that you and I have that we're right. The Bible is the sole evidence that you and I are correct, that there is a God, that there is a judgment, that salvation is by Jesus Christ alone, and that we are going to have eternal life because we trusted him. The Bible's the sole place. Isn't that the only place that you go to when you talk about it? Well, yeah, but in my experience, nobody cares about your experience. Uh, I'm glad you're saved, don't get me wrong. But if that's all you've got to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, you might want to learn some Bible. Why? Because it's the source of all of your faith. It contains not only what we believe, but why we believe it. And it ought to increase your faith as you go through it. The more you read it and the more you understand it, the more you get it, the more you ought to know, hey, guess what? Now I know. Uh, we're going to hit a bunch of places. Um, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. I got five to seven minutes right here. Acts chapter 18. 
The Bible is the source of your salvation, it is the source of your faith, and it is the source of all knowledge. Number three, it's the source of all knowledge. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verse number 24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born an Alexandrian, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Icaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Uh, your knowledge of salvation came because of the scriptures what you know about it. Uh, you realize this guy, he was mighty in the scriptures before he showed up to and got Aquila and Priscilla who showed him the way of God more perfectly. <laughs> they went, wait, 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 you're missing because you only know the baptism of John. Let me show you the rest of the story. Let me show you the rest of what really happened. Let me go ahead and tell you how the rest of this is working out. And then he goes, oh. He gains the knowledge, he gains the right salvation, and he goes ahead and he starts convincing the Jews. Why? Because he could show them in the Scriptures Jesus Christ. He knew what happened to him. He knew salvation. Uh, you go to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we won't for the sake of time. Right, what do you get? You get the, uh, the way that life begins. The world doesn't know how, the, how life began. They keep guessing and theorizing and they have no clue. Well, you know how life began. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God made it. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, Paul makes the statement, and I'm going to say a bunch of these so you can write them down if you want to look at them. Uh, Paul makes the statement that I may know Him, speaking of God, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. His statement is that I may know Him. You realize the Bible is the only way you can know God? That's how we know him. Not just know about him, but how we know him. What he says and how he behaves and what he does and your walk with him and how you walk with him and how to do all those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul lets you know that you have the mind of Christ. You have God's mind on paper. You realize you can know God's thoughts and God's thoughts about what you do and how you do it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, he tells us that he gave us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how we live and how to worship. God tells you everything on how to live. You say, where? In the scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1, that's what it is. He tells them. It's the Word of God that comes in and does what? Tells you how to live. How to live day to day, how to take care of things day to day, but how to be eternally minded. And how to be a witness. And how to have a testimony. And how to learn and how to grow and how to have and how to... All of it. Mm -hmm. He gives you all things so you can know how to do all things. And then he tells you in... Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, he, he makes it very plain. You have one weapon and one defense. Right? We put on the whole armor of God, and every piece of the armor 
is wrapped up in both the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, as well as the words you're holding in your lap. It's very hard to separate the two of them. <laughs> Since it is the mind of Christ on paper, it's pretty hard to separate his mind from who he is, all right? And it's down on paper. You say, what do you have to do? We put on Christ, and we put on the armor. And the armor of God, you say, what do you get? You get truth. Thy word is truth. Righteousness. That's How do you know how to live right without the Bible? Uh, you have the preparation of the gospel of peace. You wouldn't know the gospel of peace without Jesus Christ. You wouldn't be ready to give it out if you don't know it. Faith. We already talked about that. Salvation. The helmet of salvation. We already talked about that. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is the only thing you have to defend yourself and to fight in a world that is wicked and standing against you. Now, I'm going to finish this up, I promise. Uh, but you realize all those reasons piled up, the fact that it's our knowledge, the fact that it is our faith, the fact that it was our salvation, the fact that uh, you and I have it as a weapon and a defense, all those pieces come together, and there's more than that, but all those pieces come together, and that is the reason that you and I need to remember how important it is to read it, to study it, to believe it, to trust it, to go ahead and learn it, and memorize it, and search it, and most importantly, to apply it. It's the reason we apply what it says. If it's not the Bible, we don't worry about it. But if it is, if it is all Scripture given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If you want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one place to go. It's the reason he encourages you to read it. He asks the question, have you not read Jesus asked them that question. Have you not read? Kept asking the Pharisees that. Haven't you ever read? Didn't you read? Aren't you supposed to know what that says? Sadly, most Christians don't know what it says because they don't read it. And then they wonder why they don't apply it. It's because you didn't read it. You don't know what's in there. He tells them in John chapter 5 that Jesus Christ says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Search them. You go, oh, I don't know what the answer is, so search. Take some time to look and see what God says about it. Find the mind of God on what you're doing. He tells them in 2 Timothy chapter 2, of course, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study it. Study it. There's plenty of ways to study it. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, go ahead and topically search it and go ahead and try and find your answer. Reading it one page at a time. Doing word studies. Dispensationally. Dividing it out, trying to make sure you get the right spots. Where does that fit? How does that fit? Doctrinally, just all the major doctrines. Go through and research just a doctrine. What are you doing? Just studying just studying. Psalm 119, he reminds us that to hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Memorize it. Learn it, study it, memorize it. 
because the problem we have is Matthew chapter 22. I want you to look at this, Matthew 22, and then I'm stopping right here, last verse. Didn't quite make it under the wire where I wanted to be, but that's all right. Matthew 22. What is the biggest mistake people make? I think it's right here. I think this is the mistake. Verse number 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err. Mistake. Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. We make far less errors if we know what God wanted us to do. And we don't know it because we don't know what he said. The more you know about what he said, the more you know the way he thinks, the more you know his principles and the idea that he has and the goal that he has, the, more, the less mistakes you will make and the more glory he will get. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the hour. And Father, I pray you'd help us to remember how important it is to be in our Bibles. And Lord, I thank you so much for a church. Father, I believe this church is a, is a reading church, is a studying church. They want to know the truth. And Father, I pray you'd grant them the wisdom that they need. Lord, once again, we pray you'd bless the day, be with the pastor, strengthen and help him as he preaches today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take a break.